0: Alright, well you know we've been working through a series in Exodus, if you're part of our church family, if you've been here at all over the last few months. We're working through a series called the Gospel in the Exodus, and there's some outline on the second page here of your bulletin, if you want to open up to that, to follow along with our teaching this morning. And I'm going to have some ushers coming through the crowd right now, and they're going to be passing, they're going to be passing a plate, uh, we don't really pass our plates anymore somebody is needed or something that's one of those alarms or something on a phone or an iPad but they're going to go ahead and begin to pass these out to you so if you guys don't mind just go right ahead take one this is communion but it's the plastic stuff that you've seen before it's it's already pre-wrapped we're going to pass it out differently and I'm just going to ask you to hold it don't do anything with it for now go ahead gentlemen you can begin to pass those out and we're going to look at A real important part of the Exodus, and we're going to talk about the communion today. And at the end of our time of communion, or at the end of our teaching, we're going to let you obviously partake of the Lord's Supper, the communion together. And so I want you to have this as we teach today. I want you to have it as we contemplate. So these guys are just passing it. Help them out by passing it on down your row, if you would. Make sure everybody gets one that would like one of the communion today okay now the title of our teaching this morning is never forget now when I say never forget it probably conjures up some other thoughts for you because there's a slogan out today called never forget and it ties in with what 9-11 and most people know it never forget Never forget. And, and as an American, as a patriot uh, in, in this country, as a, a proud American, we don't want to forget what happened. I understand what we're saying there, but that's not the tie in today. I would tell you this, however, there are some things worth remembering. Would you agree with that? There are some things that are worth remembering. Never forget. And this is what we're going to see today in our teaching. Jesus is going to teach the children of Israel as we've walked through this series, right? We've seen where God's people are in bondage in Egypt. We've seen where God raises up a leader, Moses. Moses makes some mistakes, obviously. He's a Hebrew, but he's raising the house of of the Pharaoh, and then, you know, we see where he, he, he murders somebody when he sees one of the Egyptians abusing one of his Hebrew brethren. He kills the man. Then he flees into the desert. And after 40 years, God brings him back and says, I'm going to use you. He calls to him in the desert, in fact. He says, I'm going to use you for my glory, and you're, I'm going to use you to bring the people that have been in bondage. They're going to be brought to freedom through you. I'm going to use you. And in that, what we find is... The plagues. Now, we walked through the plagues for a couple of weeks here, and we've talked about how God brought the plagues and the purpose of the Exodus. We talked about all of that. The purpose of the Exodus was not just so that the children of Israel could be brought out of bondage in Egypt, but indeed, the purpose of the Exodus was so that God would be glorified, that His name would be proclaimed throughout the earth, and that Everyone would know that he and he alone is the true and living God. And so that's the purpose of the exodus. God was delivering his children from bondage in Egypt. And in that deliverance, his name would be known throughout the world. And so the plagues, we talked about the different plagues. And the final plague was that the firstborn male in every household would be killed, the, their lives would be taken unless they had applied the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, the blood of a spotless lamb, a pure lamb a young and innocent lamb And take that blood and, and God gave them specific instructions on how to eat the lamb and what to do with all of it but he said apply the blood to the doorpost of your home and he says when the, when the death angel comes through, when the destroyer comes through, when he sees the blood he'll pass over your home but more importantly he tells the Israelites you'll be able to look to the blood on that night, and you'll know that if you've applied the blood to your household, to the door of your your home, you will be safe. You don't have anything to worry about. Again, I wonder what that was like to hear the cries all around them on that night when, when so many children's lives were being taken or individuals' lives were being taken and not only the, the firstborn son, but the firstborn of every beast was taken. So, So much loss and the crying out and the wailing. And in the midst of all of that, no doubt, God's people were able to look to the blood and say, but we're safe. God is watching over us. Look to the blood. And I want to encourage you today with that, with that truth for us still today. The blood of Jesus has been poured out for us, his children. And in the midst of the craziness and chaos of our world, if you've received Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're covered by the blood. You don't have to be afraid. You can look to that blood. You can trust in what the Lord has done through his blood. But what I want you to see this morning, if you're in your Bible here, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 41 and 42. On the night that the Lord God was bringing the children out of bondage in Egypt, he told them when they ate, he says, don't even unlatch your sandals. Stay dressed and keep your sandals laced up, latched up. He says, because when the final plague happens, he says, they're going to get you out of it. You will be free. You're coming out tonight. And so in that, he tells them, uh, verse 41 and 42, that at the end of the 430 years uh, that, that the Israelites were in Egypt, not all of that was in bondage, but most of it was. Remember when they first came in, they had favor with the Pharaoh. And they were blessed and then a Pharaoh got worried about them and and put them into slavery but it says at the end of 430 years on that very day all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt so all of Israel all of the all of God's people the hosts of the Lord are going out from the land of Egypt it was a night of watching by the Lord how many of you know the Lord watches over his children It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. So he's telling them that you're going to have a night. They call it the Passover. A night where the the people of Israel, the Jews, would, would set aside and they would honor that night. They would remember that night as the night that the Lord miraculously and victoriously brought them out of bondage in Egypt. In fact, number one in your outline, I put it like this. Through the final plague, God delivered his people from the bondage of Egypt, and he memorialized the entire event. He memorialized it. He brought them out miraculously. Through this final plague of applying the blood to the doorpost, and whoever's home had that blood over the doorpost, their house would be saved, their house would be spared. And now he's bringing them out of their bondage, and he memorializes the entire event and says, you're going to remember this night. And you need to pass it down from generation to generation, and generation with the Passover feast. On this night, he watches over his people with great care as they are exiting as they're leaving Egypt, God desired his people to remember and to honor the God who delivers. So he gave them instructions to have a Passover meal, much like what they had that night when the death angel passed over the homes of those who had the blood applied to the doorpost. He gave them instruction on how to have this meal. And he told them to celebrate so that generations would know and remember they would never forget how the strong hand of the Lord had delivered them from their enemies. You see that in chapter 12, verse 17. As they ate in faith together, it was to mark them and to remind them of their ongoing identity that we are God's people. You can read that throughout chapter 12 and then specifically chapter 13 if you skim down through there. God tells them continually, pass this on to the next generation. He says, mark this night and share this Passover feast. And when your children down the road, when generations from now, when they say, what are we doing? You you don't ever let them forget the night I brought you out. You help them always remember this night of deliverance. Well, that was carried on from generation to generation to generation. Even number two in your outline tells us that Jesus remembered the Passover and celebrated it with his disciples. You see this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 17 through 19. If you might look there with me today, Matthew chapter 26, verse 17 through 19. Jesus and his disciples remembered it and they celebrated it. Look with me. The Bible says that on the first day, Of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover meal? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. If you're one to mark in your Bible, if you're taking notes, you might just write that down, My time is at hand. You might just circle that. Jesus dealt a lot with the Father's timing when he lived upon this earth. Indeed, we would even say that the deliverance from the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt was right in the Lord's timing. I believe the Lord's timing is perfect. And as we come into the Christmas season, we'll also recognize some of this again about the Lord's perfect timing. And so he spoke here and he says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. This is what the disciples are supposed to tell this man of whom Jesus wants to celebrate the Passover at his house. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, skip down just a little bit to verse 26 through 29. The Bible now says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. The the cup that you've been given there, the, the little handout that the ushers gave you, has a little piece of bread on the top of it. And you don't need to open it yet, but I just want you to recognize that there's bread on the top of it. That is the night of the Lord's Supper, that the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper. He gave them bread and said, this is my body, take and eat it. And then afterwards he took a cup, and that's why you've got the little cup there with the juice in it. The Bible tells us that he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Interesting tie-in to the blood on the night of the Passover in Egypt, that first night when the death angel came by, and and the Father said, If I see the blood applied to your doorpost, the blood of a spotless lamb, an innocent lamb, you, there will be no, no blood, no, no child, no, no individual required of your household. Your household will be safe when I see that blood. And now Jesus is saying, the time has come that my blood would be poured out for all of you. The, the Lamb of God is who he is. The spotless Lamb, the innocent Lamb of God. His blood would be poured out for all of mankind. And so he says, it's my covenant it's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins and then he tags on here Jesus says I tell you I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom glory to God that's worth underlining in your Bible that's a prophetic promise that's a beautiful promise from Jesus telling his people that one day we will all be with him again and we will again sit at the Lord's table we will sit with him Well, number three in your outline. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper while celebrating the Passover feast. In fact, note this. In your outline, the fact that he instituted the Lord's Supper in place of the Passover meal reveals Christ's fulfillment of the original salvation in Egypt. He fulfilled that. They had practiced the Passover meal over and over and over. They'd they'd partaken of this Passover meal, telling their children, handing it off to the next generation. This reminds us, this memorializes the night that God miraculously led us out of bondage in Egypt with his mighty hand. They'd done that for years and years and years. And now Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper in place of the Passover, signifying the fulfillment that his own blood was poured out for all of mankind. He was was the sacrificial lamb. The time had come that his own blood would now be applied for all those who would trust in him. And therefore, we don't, we don't need to practice the Passover as Christian people. Our confidence is not in, in, in all the traditions and all the customs that were supposed to happen at that time up until the point of Jesus, but now Jesus has become. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world forever. And so when we partake of communion at the church together, we're, we're no longer sacrificing lambs and doing all the things they had to do because the Lamb of God was sacrificed once for all. And when we take communion, we're reminding ourselves of His body broken for us and His blood that was poured out for us. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the apostle Paul later writes, Christ is our Passover Lamb and He has been sacrificed. See, the time had come that Christ's own blood would be applied for all those who would trust in him. And so the meal marked the identity of God's people as they ate together in faith. The Passover meal, it marked them, and identified them as God's people as they gathered together together as they celebrated, as they ate together in faith, and now so also, friends, every time we come together as the body of Christ and we partake of the Lord's Supper together, the communion together, we should also understand that it marks our identity as belonging to God as we also eat together, take together by faith. We recognize that we have faith In the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and we have salvation because the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And so we remember. When we come to the table of the Lord, when we take of the the Lord's Supper, we remember his sacrifice for our sins. And we pass it down from generation to generation to generation just like they did the passover meal. I remember coming to the table of the Lord, brother Pete, when I was just a boy. I remember coming for the for the communion. For the, and, and, and taking the bread and I remember the significance and the, the, I remember as I drank the cup and they said this is the, the blood of Jesus shed for you I remember the, the magnitude the significance of that for me even as a child as my parents reminded me before they even let me partake of the communion of this is the body and the blood of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ who has saved us from sin we must pass it down from generation the youth group needs to practice it our children's ministries along with you as parents need to practice this and we hand it down from generation to generation as followers of christ it marks our identity as belonging to god as we eat together by faith we take this together by faith in him who loved us and gave himself for us we don't do it flippantly that's why we encourage you when you come to the table of the lord Make sure you're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we don't just we have an open communion. Anyone can take communion here at Bethesda, but we we ask you. Make sure that you've trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's between you and the Lord. Don't let children take of this that are too young to understand what they're doing without you teaching them as a parent and instructing them. We want them to understand the significance of it. You see, in the Lord's Supper, we who have trusted Christ, look down in number four in your outline here. In, in the Lord's Supper, I'm going to cover some scriptures here with you, even some that were up above there. In the Lord's Supper, we who have trusted Christ, letter A, we have communion or common union together. See, we're together. We're identified as the people of God. We have common union. We're united together in Christ, the Lamb of God. We're united with Christ in the communion, but we're united together in this common union that Jesus is our Savior and Lord. Letter B, we too remember how the Lord miraculously saved Israel from slavery bringing them out with a powerful hand. Yes, we remember what God did then, but we also see, that we, we have to recognize this, we also remind ourselves or we see that 1400 years later a man named Jesus the innocent Lamb of God John chapter 1 verse 29 John said of him behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and so we remember what Christ did that night in Egypt but we fast forward about 14 years and we remind ourselves what Jesus has done for us delivering us from the slavery and the bondage that we had to sin and unrighteousness because friend When you don't know Jesus Christ, you're a slave to sin. Before Jesus forgives you and changes your life, you're a slave to sin and unrighteousness. You might be here today and you've never received Christ. you never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord. And you've tried every way you can to make things better in your life, to get things right in your life, and you can't do it on your own. That's because you're a slave to sin and unrighteousness, just as I was before, trusting in Christ turning from sin and trusting Him and Him alone for my salvation. You see, Jesus did more than just rescue a group of people from bondage in a place like Egypt. For Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 of Himself, He declares, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He has Sent me, we would say, or anointed me to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's what he came to do. Not just delivering us from a geographical place or a bondage from a people group. He has come to set his people free from sin. This tells us that he delivers us from more, from more, because we're guilty sinners and we need his salvation we need his deliverance we can't do it alone first peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says for christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous i'm the unrighteous you would be the unrighteous but the righteous one jesus christ suffered once for all of our sins aren't you grateful for that Listen, we're at the Thanksgiving season. This ought to make you want to give thanks. This ought to make you want to celebrate. This ought to make you want to sit at the table this week with your family. And if anybody says, what are you thankful for? The first words out of any follower of Christ's mouth should be, I'm grateful for Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Thanksgiving is not compared to the Passover. Don't get me wrong. The Thanksgiving meal is not in any way compared to the Passover. But we pause this time of year and we try to remember the blessings of the Lord and we give thanks. But friends, there is no greater blessing than to be forgiven and free by Jesus Christ. And we must remember and we must give thanks. He died in our place, substituting his life for ours, that we might be forgiven of sin that we might be free from the bondage of sin and so in the Lord's Supper we remember the great deliverance we have we're not just remembering what God did then for the people of Israel to get out of bondage in Egypt we're remembering the deliverance we have in Christ Jesus when we come to the table of the Lord in communion we're reminding ourselves of God's crucified and risen son Jesus Christ. For through it, he has brought to all who trust in him eternal life, both now and forevermore. And finally, let her see in your outline there under that point number four we remind ourselves that he's our soon coming king, and someday he'll take us away to be with him forever. Amen. As I was thinking about this teaching and the generations and handing things down, I was reminded of my old pop. Some of you might remember Old Pop. There's a few of you scattered in the congregation, but not many. My dad's dad. We respectfully called him Old Pop. Old Pop was a... He was 92 when he passed away. And I remember being at a church gathering with him when he was 90 years old. And he was always about that far from a sleep coma. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He would, he'd be sitting there, you'd be visiting with him, and old Pop would be, you know, always just drifting off. Well, church wasn't much different. Some of you suffer with that as well. You know who you are. <laughs> so I was at this big convention thing in Billings, and old Pop, he was always cold. He was famous for saying, I'm cold. I'm cold. It'd be 90 degrees outside. He'd be saying, I'm cold. And he always wore this big orange Tennessee volunteer jacket. And he's sitting there in the middle of summer. And we're in this convention center in Billings at this big event. And I'm standing. We're having a great time of worship. It was about the time when they started transitioning to, you know, the songs with the uh, LCD projectors and all that kind of stuff. And old Pop grew up with the hymn books. You know what I'm saying. Some of you know. I grew up with hymn books as well. And so they're singing. I mean, it was a powerful time. People were clapping, cheering, celebrating. No Pop's... And I, I'm standing there worshiping. I kept looking over at him, and he just falling asleep. And all of a sudden, in all of the singing, there was a transition of the song. And, and all of a sudden, they began to sing the old chorus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And old Pop, he kind of perked up a little bit. <laughs> he sat up. He recognized that old course. And they sang, thank you, Lord. For making me whole. Pop kind of leaned forward in this chair a little bit. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. And by the time it was over, old Pop's hand was raised, crippled up as it was. And he was worshiping the Lord tears in his eyes singing thank you Lord for saving my soul thank you Lord for making me whole I remember taking his hand just standing there beside him as he sat there thank you Lord for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. So full and free is how we sing it sometimes as well. And I remember Pop, and I looked over at Pop, and I remember thinking, this is my heritage. This is being handed down for me from generation to generation. He wasn't sure. He called those songs like that. He'd say, I don't know about them songs on the wall, Scott. <laughs> That's what he would always tell me. I don't know about them songs on the wall. He liked the old courses and the old hymns, but... But boy, he perked up. And I remembered all that we have together in the Lord. Pop went to be with Jesus about two years after that. But I still have that wonderful memory of my grandfather. And every time I see his picture and every time I think about him, I can't help but, but think of that song and begin to sing it. Listen, friends, we've got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Praise team, would you come? We have, a, we have so much to be thankful for. Let me just encourage you this morning to sing about the salvation of the Lord. Kaya and the praise team's done a great job today leading us in singing about the salvation of Jesus Christ, remembering all that he's done for us, the freedom we have in him.